Count how it is. Hendrix. Promise and swag, swag. Yeah. Smitty. Yo. Hello and welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is Pauline and I am excited to be here with the lovely lady, Southern Cynic and Akira. Hey girls. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Oh, come on, Southern Cynic. You gotta perk it up. <laughs> I mean, I know last night's episode like was exhausting on so many levels, but yeah, you had about how many hours to recuperate? Listen, (laughs) this message goes out to Sam. I am through with you, running up my blood pressure every week. I'm done. Okay, (laughs) you just simmer down because I can't take this too much. Because who who was was it Akira was it you Southern Cynic you said you didn't think you didn't you couldn't imagine how this episode could top last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, that was well, yeah, that was me pretty much. Because uh, what was it? Because Coradonna was saying how this episode was going to be even more intense, and I was just like, after three o five, like how much more can we take? <laughs> you know, how much more intense could it get? Oh, did they deliver? And then some. They really did. Yeah. They they completely delivered. Um, anyone who's not loving this season, um, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not at all. Like, yeah. It's like, are you watching a different show than I'm watching? Because I'm loving every minute of it. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I think anybody who's hating this show by right now, you know, still they're just folks who just want to be contrary for no reason. They just have to find something wrong. Yeah, contrary, just like your granny used to tell you. Sit your contrary blank down. Um, or maybe that maybe that was just my granny. <laughs> so let's get into this episode. It is called Kill Process. And it is basically Rami is Rami. <laughs> Elliot is trying to stop stage two from occurring, but we actually start the episode with a flashback, which is always nice because these flashbacks always answer questions and give us tons more. So we get to see Emily Moss for the first time and we get to see a young Angela. First of all, I thought the casting of the actresses who played Angela and Emily were, it was just perfect. What did you guys think about the casting? Uh, Well, I thought the casting, I agree with you on the casting. And as far as um, the act uh, with the actress who played young Angela, that was actually the same actress who um, played the little girl who was asking Angela those questions in that room in season two. Yeah. Oh. Did did you catch that, Southern Cynic? I did not, but kudos. That was awesome. Yeah. I didn't I didn't recognize her. Well, I have to say, Akira, you caught it and actually I was on Twitter today talking with um Josh from On Pirate Satellite, um, who has a really great blog. And if you want detailed, detailed um commentary on Mr. Robot, that's where you should go. But he was pointing that out. Um, so it is really nice that they had that continuity with that actress. And, man, she's grown up. She, 
<laughs> she looks completely different. Um, so perfect casting. So we started off with a nice Back to the Future reference again. Um, that movie has kind of been throughout every season of Mr. Robot, these references to Back to the Future. And we get to see what is basically, I called it awake before dying. So we are seeing Emily is having a party in preparation for dying. Um, and we get to see Angela interacting with Edward. She is feeling uncomfortable, as I believe any child would, about this party. And she has a really interesting conversation with Edward. Um, Akira, what did you think about the exchange between Edward and little Angela? The exchange between the two of them. Um, it was nice to see um, to see him interact with Angela. And I found that it was really interesting, some of the things that he was telling her, um, you know, kind of, um, of course, for, for us as the audience, being able to read between the lines, knowing that um, he's about to meet the same fate as Angela's mom, and um, basically just giving her that push that she needs to not really to, you know, see her mom through this and not really abandon her. Um, and then also just giving her that, those words of encouragement, they're saying that, um, you know, if I'm not going to be around for Elliot and he has those moments where he needs a push, you know, be there for him as well. So um, it was nice to see that scene with him implanting, um, implanting that, um, that trust and those, and th that role for her um, in terms of, uh, what Elliot and Angela could be facing in the future. Um, but then also it was just, um, again, with the back to the future references with the whole, um, Oh, um, how Marty had to push and how, if he hadn't done that, you know, he would have disappeared from the photo. And of course, watch, uh, watching that, watching the scene and listening to the dialogue, I couldn't help but think um, back to that photo in season one with, um, Elliot mm -hmm. and his family where, some members disappeared and then you look at it again later on when it's when that reveal happened you see all that um but yeah but it was um yeah this yeah. was it was really nice to get this to get this backdrop for angela especially given where her character has been going for the past couple of episodes this season yeah definitely and i like the the um reference to the picture in the movie and the picture in season one so southern cynic we see that edward is talking about um pushing elliot and making the reference to the movie with um when things are difficult you just have to push through it to you know get the outcome that um is needed does this make you feel any differently towards angela after hearing this conversation between her and Edward, because I know she's not your favorite. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it changes my opinion of her because I mean, in the long run, she, she believes that nothing bad is going to happen or come from all of this, that the people are going to be evacuated from the building. Nothing's going to come of it. But at the same time, you, you, acted on it and knowing that this could possibly be a potential that people would get hurt. So I, I don't know how I feel about Angela's, her motivations confound me, but uh, I did enjoy that scene between her and her mother. And it, it just kind of weirded me out because 
the things that her mom were saying to her, I, I, I was wondering, well, did she have some kind of weird conversation with White Rose that mm -hmm. we don't know about, you know, and she just didn't have this fear. That's why she was, you know, walking into death with her head held high. You know, this is not a big deal um, because eventually I'll come back and everything's going to be okay. And I'll get to sing and dance and bake with my daughter. Yeah. So I, I don't know yeah. what was going on with that, you know, but um, yeah. I just had that feeling that something was working in the background and I wish I knew what it was. But, yeah, because um, didn't the lawyer, I'm trying to remember what the lawyer was tell, um, telling her, uh, telling Emily um, something about, I guess, some, some private, um, some anonymous, um, I don't want to say benefactor or whatever. Yeah, that's I, the I word she used. That's the word she used, yeah, the anonymous so, benefactor. And, yeah, so I, I mean, so in watching that scene the second time, and again, you know, um, I'm keeping in mind the similarity between word, words and phrases that Emily and White Rose uses. So I'm wondering, hmm, is it possible that this anonymous person, is it, could it be White Rose or somebody else? I mean, well, I mean, of course I'm thinking, I'm, I initially want to think White Rose, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it was, it's hard you know, to... It's hard to make any decision because we seem to be wrong about everything when it comes to White Rose. But. Well, I mean, um, think about that and what Wright Rose said about working with Elliot's dad, you know, working closely with him. Like, is this a connection to say that, you know, they knew something was going on? That's what, that's what I was thinking with Emily, because like you were saying, Akira and um, Southern Cynic, she seemed very settled with dying. She was okay. Like the, the um, inscription on her cake said, see you in another life. So, I mean, like who writes that on a cake? Like, first of all, who has a wake before you die and who has a cake that says that? But um, with the benefactor, my first thought was White Rose. And like you were saying, Southern Cynic, I was thinking about that connection that um, White Rose told us about in season two, or I'm sorry, at the beginning of this season about Edward. But I was wondering if Emily was also working with White Rose on this project, but unlike Edward, who was doing it unknowingly, Emily was doing it with knowledge of what White Rose's goal is um and that is why she felt like she could say these things to Angela um she said I'm always going to be there this isn't the end there's another world out there for both of us um we'll see each other again which are all odd things to be saying but if she is truly working on this project with White Rose and White Rose cares enough about her to try to prolong her life by um, paying for her medical treatments, et cetera. That's kind of implying that Emily is important to whatever this project is. Right. I mean, you know, also, in a, you know, look, with some of the phrases again that Emily was saying, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, us in our lives, we've heard people say, you know, things or things like, Oh, we'll see each other again. You know, some, depending on, personal belief you know most people tend to take that as the afterlife and everything but again with this context knowing what we know it or what has been framed for us thus far I should probably say rather than saying knowing what we know um it does open it up to more questions especially like you were saying is it possible that Emily was um 
going was working with White Rose knowingly, and that would be interesting. Especially that would be an interesting mirror because um, the show does have moments uh, moments where it loves to um, dabble in mirroring. Um, so with, with where we see Angela, um, I remember reading a couple of articles, um, particularly um, um, in the interviews with Cora Donna, and he was saying that um, with this uh, this teaser going in this teaser of young Angela um, seeing if it could get um, the audience to be um, you know more empathetic or being able to really feel for her and her journey thus far um, and, and then yeah in the moment I you know we've all been there with um, being able to with being in a position where we have lost somebody that has that pretty much was a foundation to our lives and to lose that is very yeah it's hard and um so in that sense you know you kind of do feel you kind of do feel for her where you know you do have that hope that what if it is possible that you might be able to you you might be able to see them again so there's that I mean it's a long stretch really but for her I do you know you do get to see more and more why she's doing what she is doing um but again it's a it's a bit yeah it's a bit long thus far I would say but you know but I can start to see more and more and understand why it is that she's doing what she's doing because she as we've seen throughout as this episode progresses she is just full-blown as you said as um I think Southern Center said during the live tweet just full-on drank the Kool-Aid um so I'm just you know now just asking myself well what flavor is that because you know (laughs) I hope it's not the I hope it's not the great Kool-Aid because that's the kind they um you know, they drank and died. But, um, <laughs> but you're absolutely mm-hmm. right when you're talking about I do think that this um, flashback scene really was Sam's way of helping us understand why Angela is doing the things she's doing and why she's so committed to it. Because if you think about the fact that her mom said these things about another world, um, I'm going to see you again. And if White Rose is, is, is feeding her the same line, that is probably triggering to her to want to believe it if she knows her mother had also promised this too. So it would increase the likelihood that she would follow along with White Rose's plan. And then also last week we talked about um, that question that Elliot asked Angela, do you have something to tell me? And we kind of talked about what we thought Angela would do. Um, Did we think she would spill it to Elliot and tell him everything? Or did we think she wouldn't? And I think we kind of had it both ways. She did confirm, you know, definitely that she was involved with White Rose with stage two, but still she was there to try to push Elliot. And one of the things um, I noted to myself in this, the interactions between Elliot and Angela is I really didn't think that Rami's eyes could get any bigger. Lord. thought I was looking at the moon. <laughs> Jeez. I can't stop laughing. Like, golly, wow. I mean, his eyes, her eyes, he was, do you feel like he was more betrayed by Angela than he was by Darlene? I wanted to ask you that, you guys, that thinking about how he reacted 
when Darlene told him about the FBI as opposed to how he's, we see him react this week to Angela. Who do you think was this, the biggest portrayal for him? Well, judging by the veins popping out of his head, I would think um, that it was Angela who betrayed him the most, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would agree with you there. I think with Darlene's betrayal, it allowed him to connect more, to put more of the pieces together. But I think also it is, with Angela, it was more of that gut punch to him as Probably, I think, because maybe maybe in the way that he thought of Angela, you know, she's supposed, you know, she's representing the one person that he could trust, um, you know, the one person that he trusts, especially um, in terms of being able to tell him if he was ever a robot. Um, and also, but really, this, but really more so in the sense that she knew that she knew being able to tell the difference between the two and she played him really in order mm-hmm. to in order to see this through. And I think also it really threw him for a loop because he did not know specifically just how deep involved, how deeply involved she was, because even the fact that she mentions White Rose and everything and that throws, and he's like, you met White Rose. So yeah, Angela definitely threw him more for a loop because I don't think, well, one, because it's Angela, but I think also two, because of how much, how deep, how, you know, just how deep in the girl is. Um, so it was just one, you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And again, as you say, you know, um, you know, with his eyes and the veins pop- and the veins popping up in his head. And it was just, yeah, I mean, that was a lot for somebody to take in. It it was um, a lot. And, and you do have to also think about his relationship with Darlene. Like he's used to Darlene letting him down, you know, mm-hmm. be, you know, from the running away, um, so he's used to Darlene letting him down. I think this is the first time Angela has let him down, you know, disappointed him maybe in any major way. So I could see right. where the betrayal would be much stronger towards her than it was towards Darlene because he kind of, you know, maybe it's not as shocking with her um, as it was with Angela. But the rest of the the scenes we see with Angela, we just see like, you know, she's drank all the Kool-Aid there is to drink. Like her resolve throughout the rest of this episode is like at peak levels, peak levels, like the scene on the subway. What? I mean, Southern Senate, what were Um, you thinking with this scene on the subway? I mean, ugh. Girl was gone. <laughs> she was out. I I don't know what. I just want to know what White Rose said to her to do this to her. She is shook. She is beyond shook. She is at different this, these crazy levels of shookness that I can't understand. And it's all because she just believes so deeply in what mm-hmm. she was told that everything's gonna be okay. If this dude shot me in the face right now it's gonna be all right because i'm coming back girl yeah because she keeps saying no one is gonna die no one is gonna die like she is completely convinced i don't get it akira what 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 are you thinking about angela's resolve (sighs) um 
Angela's resolve, I think to me, it's kind of just a, on some level, it's a bit of a continuation with certain things that we've seen of her um, in in earlier moments um, in season two and season one. I think that once Angela has a set mission for herself, she definitely has that resolve to see it through. Um, However, this is, I mean, but this is on a whole nother level um, because people's lives are involved um but then again you know with everything else people's lives were involved with that too you know going back to season one in particular when she um when she uh did the uh honey pot went no not the honey pot when the she did the, the, the disc inside mm-hmm. no not the film oh, the much disc, earlier, the disc one. yeah season one when she yeah when she put the disc in um and just completely threw all safe for the loop and everything that basically was putting people's livelihoods in jeopardy. Um, but she didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, she kind of, she put, and that was a situation where she put her own, her own needs and desires ahead of every, uh, above everybody else. So that was that. And then, um, I mean, you did bring up the femtocell, but I think the femtocell was more so, um, I got yeah. I mean, the femtocell was again her putting her, you know, her needs and kind of, you know, getting getting intel on what the FBI knows. Um, and again, in this case, it was unknowingly what created the what opened the back door. Um, but yeah, but so we have, but we've seen Angela in situations before where she makes these decisions that do have an effect on a lot of people when she's looking out for herself more or less, or so steadfast in a mission but to kind of also go back to um when um Angela and Elliot are talking I think that again it was um such a gut punch to him and everything because you know between Angela and Elliot they they always mention how well they know each other I've known you since I was mm-hmm. eight years old and this and that and again it's um I think it's just that ultimate revelation or realization that you're no longer the person that I know. You're no longer the person that I knew. Um, and that can be, that revelation right there, that can really throw a lot of people for a loop because it's just like, whoa, who am I even talking to anymore? Um, so yeah, so with that. But yes, Angela's steadfast resolve and girl is just, girl is just all the way committed and willing to see this whole thing through. Um, but again, with what we have seen in the at the end of this episode, I'm just wondering just how much of just how much of this did she, did she know that that was um, ultimately what the plan was, rather than what we thought the plan was. I asked that question too to myself, and I don't think she knew. I don't think I know she didn't know that it was all 71, because when she was talking to Darlene at her apartment. Um, and Darlene was talking about the people were going to die in the recovery center. Angela said, no, they're not going to die because they were evacuated. So she did think it was just this one recovery center. And that's why she kept asking Irving about the evacuation. (laughs) And maybe Irving was actually telling the truth about that. And he could say, yeah, we evacuated it because he knew, you know, they evacuated the plan. Yeah. For that building. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then also, but then also, I mean, I've heard this question got um, getting thrown around a lot with this episode is really just more of a 
what did they know, you know, how much did they know and when did they know it? So again, you know, we could ask that question of Angela, we could ask that question of Darlene, um, even a robot, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's one question. Well, technically two questions that were getting thrown around, like how much did you know and when did you find us out? Um, I do think, I think that's a valid question. And I think, um, I, I think some of it can be answered when we talk about Terrell. But um, before we get to that, let's talk about Dom. So we see um, Elliot talking to Darlene. He's made the decision. He's still going to try to stop stage two from happening or the stage two that he believes is happening. He's going to go to the recovery center and try to stop it from there. He's figured out that Terrell is at the Red Wheelbarrow. Um, and so he calls Darlene to warn her to send the FBI. Okay, so Dom is talking to Santiago. And do you think that Dom's bullshit meter has, come, has like gone off yet in regards to Santiago, Southern Cynic? No. No, I was uh, watching the episode again this evening with somebody, and we were both just like, why hasn't Dom figured this guy out yet? knowing how she operates and, and how she can read people. I mean, she, she can sense that something's off with him, but why wouldn't she immediately think that perhaps he's working for the dark army that he's trying to mm -hmm. throw her investigation, throw her off the scent. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand, you know, what's going on with that. Given what we've seen of her last season and this season, she's very smart and perceptive, but, why is that not working towards him? Yeah, because usually her meter is pretty sensitive to the bullshit. And I, I'm not feeling like she's picking it up. I mean, I feel like she's irritated with him that he is standing in her way. But I feel like she's buying the line that he is um, leading her to as far as, you know, wanting to put these things in place. Or I think... Um, Earlier in this season, he told her that there was another team that was working on the Dark Army angle, and she just needed to focus on Terrell. So it does seem like she is believing what he is, is feeding her, which is surprising. Uh, Akira, what do you think about Santiago and Dom's meter? Is it broken when it I, comes to him? I think I'm going to be going on the opposite end there. I think that her bullshit meter is definitely picked up on him. And I'm going to think I'm going to go with the idea that um, Dom is probably playing the Python approach to him mm. and maybe just giving him enough rope to hang himself. So, I mean, again, what we know of Dom, I mean, we, you know, we've even seen this with season two. We're just like, wait a minute, you know, like why is she the only one picking up on stuff? You know, like, how is it that? They don't know yet, but and then we got and then we later on got to see they know everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dom has, you know, been on his ass from jump and just <laughs> waiting for the right moment to pounce on him. So I would, yeah, I would just stick with that one. Okay, yeah, maybe I mean, she has a room with his board like set up on the. the that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> That's what I, because we haven't, we haven't been to her apartment this season. So, and we don't really, we've never, have we ever seen like a panned view of her apartment? Because usually when we are at her apartment is solidly focused on her or Alexa. So 
you're right, Southern Senate. Yeah. She could have a whole Santiago wall up there. <laughs> oh. I don't know. She was keeping stuff in that safe. Maybe it's all in there. Oh, Akira, yeah. go back to that episode and see what's in that safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I remember from season two, I remember her gun was in there. Mm -hmm. um, did she have a, did she have a second I, phone in there? She had a couple of phones. I think she did. Yeah, and I want I want to say that there might have been some documents in there too. But I'm gonna yeah, I'm definitely gonna go back again and mm -hmm. look at look at it again and get a deep get a bit you know another closer look at that safe and then get back to y'all and what was in there. But I know for sure it was a gun and I think um, another cell phone. So we see um, Dom decides she's not waiting around for Santiago and decides to go out for lunch at the red wheelbarrow in which I am so jealous because Sam is so insidious to give us a red wheelbarrow commercial. given. <laughs> not just the commercial they was giving away some giving away the sauce and it's just like uh i yeah, kind of the sauce i really wanted the sauce but i'm on one hand i hope that it was just like some hunt's barbecue sauce that they relabeled but then on the <laughs> other hand i want it to be like some fantastic you know, to live up to the description that Irving gave it. Like, I want to go into my local grocery store and see that bottle on the shelf. Girl, it's just some Heinz 57. Girl, <laughs> I don't want to believe that because the this show is so detailed. You know, they had some food science guys creating some, some perfect barbecue sauce to pair with ribs and stuff. Come on. I just want a rib sandwich. <laughs> See, I'm hungry again. I'm hungry again, and I just <laughs> thinking about thinking about them ribs. Uh, but maybe someday, maybe someday we'll we'll get some red wheelbarrow at a con. Um, but we do get to see Dom in her element. She is at the red wheelbarrow. Red wheelbarrow, and her meter is going off, and she ends up in this back room. And we, as viewers, get to see that. Tyrell has been in the basement of the red wheelbarrow, but a little bit before that, we saw some um, references to him. We see Santiago send a text saying that the location is burnt and they need to take care of Wellick. And I think that most of the viewers on the timeline um, that I could read tweets about were, was assuming that that meant that Tyrell was going to be killed. Um, looking at it a second time, I was taking it as protect him. What, what, what do you two ladies think? What do you think, um, Southern Cynic? Um, <clears throat> I missed some little things on the first watch when I was watching it earlier this evening. Um, I noticed that he flinched in front of Irving thinking that Urban was going to actually pull a gun out and blow his head off. And as he was reading the letter, I got a little concerned uh, thinking that maybe the letter told him about Joanna and the baby and there was a gun nearby that he was going to shoot himself and we were going to see, you know, that play out. So I was really afraid for Tyrell. I think I tweeted out that, yeah, it was nice knowing you, dude. You know, this is your end. But I was not expecting him to be to throw himself to the wolves you know what what is dark armies play here 
with him being captured. What did you think of Kira? Um, well, yeah, I did. I mean, initially, yeah, you think, okay, they're probably going to kill him because really what um, purpose does he have for them anymore? But, um, but again, um, seeing him just surrender, I guess, like that, or um, put himself in a position where he could easily get caught. Again, I'm kind of like, all right, that's a little bit too easy. But then again, I think, wait a minute, this is Mr. Robot and not everything is what it initially appears to be. So I'm thinking that there is going to be some payoff to that scene right there with, um, with uh, Tyrell being captured right then and there. Um, yeah, um, but with, also with the scene with Irving and Tyrell, um, he, I think I want to say that with, as far as Irving goes, I want to say that that probably might be the f- first and only time that I thought that Irving was a bit genuine when he said, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yes, <laughs> I noted that too, because I yeah. said, what, what are you sorry about? Because it did feel like he was being truthful for once. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe yeah. he was saying I'm sorry about your wife and kids before he finds out about his wife and kids. I I don't quite know cuz had Tyrell read right. the letter before he said I'm sorry? Yeah, the first time mm-hmm. I missed it, I didn't think he read I, it. But the second time he I saw it, yeah, he he opened it and read it. He read, so mm. So but then again, but then again I I, yeah, but then again, I don't think that I still don't even think he knows what happened to them just yet. Who Tyrell um, or I think, Irving? I think that the letter Tyrell. I'm, I'm sorry, oh, yeah. as far as Joanna and the baby. I mean, I definitely think that that letter was more so just instructions on what he was supposed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, um, just kind of like yeah. the instructions yeah. that they had prepared for Elliot. Um, right. One of the did well. She gave the instructions back. One, t- a couple of thoughts about Tyrell. Um, when Irving showed up and Terrell was having his tantrum about not going to Kiev, um, and then he got, he thought that Irving was going to kill him. He said, I came up with the solution for you. I did everything you asked. So that told me that it was Tyrell's plan to not just blow up the recovery center, but to blow up all 71 um, of the other um, buildings. So I'm thinking that this was what Terrell came up with over the weekend. And that's why he needed the full force of the dark army in order to make this happen. So maybe they had to hack all of those places. So that is telling, cause I kept saying, did Angela know? Didn't she know? So I'm assuming Angela didn't know because this was this last minute change that Terrell did in order for this to happen in and within the timeline that that white Ray, white rose wanted so that was the first thing right the and sec- then plus he only told mm-hmm. her and i'm sorry so plus he only told her in the text that it, um that everything that the plan is still moving forward for monday mm-hmm. that's pretty much all mm-hmm. he told her because again i think he just again being Irving just tells just what the person is to hear in order to keep the in order to keep them focused keep them in line so again, with um, Angela kind of thinking, you know, having to be in that thought process of, okay, we still have options. We still have options to still go. We still have options. And you have Mr. Robot coming at her with, you know, I kept telling you that Elliot is going to be, you know, that Elliot is a problem. And, and 
then um, then Irving chimes in, we're still good to go for Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you were saying, sorry. No, I was just saying, I think that Terrell is being set up to be a hero because he's obviously staging the um, basement to look like he's been held captive. Um, mm-hmm. That's why he had the handcuffs, whatever. And then if you can remember um, the Tyrell focused episode, do you remember when Frank Cody came to see White Rose and she said in passing that she wanted um, Frank Cody to um, kind of spin Tyrell on the show to kind of make him um, keep him in a positive light on his show, which I kind of thought was weird at the time. But when Tyrell was yelling, he kept saying, he kept trying to warn them about people dying or about the explosion or whatever. So what we're going to, what they're going to see is Terrell's been held captive for five months. He escaped. He tried to warn us. He's been spun in the media by this Frank Cody guy is, you know, maybe he didn't do the five, nine attack. So I think he's going to be set up as a hero and that they're going to throw Elliot under the bus. That's my thoughts. I think you've been sneaking on Reddit. Girl, you know I've never been on Reddit. <laughs> Girl, you got too many threads and strings going on right now, but it, it all makes sense. It makes sense. It's insidious because, I mean, I don't want that to happen to Elliot, but you have to wonder, does Elliot still hold value for White Rose at this point? Like, who's the more valuable person right now? I, I would maybe I might have to wait another episode before answering, but <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I can see where you're going with that. So, I mean, but again, like I say, with this whole thing of Tyrell just popping up out of the blue in the middle of the city, um, I was just, yeah, I just, I just, I just keep telling myself that there's going to be a payoff with that for the way that. For the way that it happened, I'm like, nah, there's a payoff there. It's, it's, you know, just keep watching this. There's going to be a payoff. Oh, definitely. Because White Rose doesn't do anything unintentionally. And she said when she got that text or or no, she got that call from Grant. Hey, Grant. Um, She got that call from Grant about um, the location being burnt and everything. And White Rose said that changes. It doesn't change anything, basically. And it keeps so this is all within white roses plan and she is a long range planner and she is more committed than we see Angela being with resolve, et cetera. So, you know, yeah, white rose is so deep. And what did you think about um, Elliot calling white rose a terrorist? Because before the episode began, I tweeted out, that I didn't know who to root for because I love White Rose and I love Elliot, but in actuality, they are adversaries and one is trying to stop the other from doing something. And it's, it is hard to know who to root for. And do we think White Rose is a terrorist or do we think she's a savior? Like Angela said, uh, what do you think um, Akira said? Is she a terrorist or is she the savior? Oh. You have to choose. I know. 
<laughs> I'm going to do a poll. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to do a poll later. <laughs> um, I'm going to... I'm going to give her the Joker approach here. And I want to say that she is being painted as a villain, but I believe that she, what she is doing serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it may sound like I'm drinking some of that Kool-Aid right now, but, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to say that sounds like I'm just walking the line between the two choices, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Pick one, because there's not going to be an other. There's going to be a savior choice or a terrorist choice. There will be no in-between. So you're going to have to pick one for today. Uh, uh, okay. Um, I am going to go with... Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's like she cannot form the word she no, cannot form I am word ser- no. i am seriously now feeling like angela in the in the subway like, me your easy, like, first like, I'm like imagine leon has a shank against your throat you need to make a choice right now oh are oh, you guys me <laughs> right. make a decision uh, life or death. uh all right, fine. Savior. There, okay. I said it. <laughs> she said it on the record. It's recorded. Savior. Okay, Southern Senate. <laughs> Savior or terrorist? Okay. Um, I believe that White Rose believes that she is doing the right thing, as all good people oh, okay. do. So I'm going to say. <laughs> You were watching the Cheeto with that response. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I believe that she believes that. (laughs) I'm going to go with Savior. Okay. You're going to see, you're telling us what White Rose thinks about herself and not you. So you're going with Savior. Okay. Um, I'm going to. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm gonna go with um terrorist just because you two went with savior. Um I'm still okay. concerned about I'm being contrary. Mm. I'm being contrary. I, I, I'm still concerned about what she wants to do in the Congo. Um with that, like why does she want the those mineral rights in the Congo? Like what does she want and what does she want it for? Is this going to be kind of like a, I have to destroy everything before I can reset everything type of a thing. And um, I personally don't want to be destroyed because mm, what if she's wrong? What if our calculations are off? So I'm going to go with terrorists just to be the, the advocate here for the other side, but I will do a poll. I will do a poll um, tonight after we start okay. recording. I'll do a poll. But what else did you want to say? What did you say? I bet uh, White Rose didn't hear this. (laughs) You better uh, hope her assistant doesn't hear it. But I'm going to say, I mean, if you're going to call White Rose a terrorist, then Elliot also has to accept the fact that he is a terrorist too because stage two was his plan initially. Elliot Um, has some... Elliot, it is true. We have to accept that Elliot... Has is doing some is willing to do some terrible things. Like part of him doesn't want to do it, but part of him totally does. Like 
the fact that he mm-hmm. was ready to kill Terrell. Our beloved pocket prince, you know, a form of him was ready to murder someone and not think twice about it and not think twice about, because the thing is, and we're going to talk about Elliot versus Mr. Robot. When Elliot was typing with Mr. Robot the first time, he was trying to um, appeal to his sense of morality almost that all of these people don't have to die. And Mr. Robot was like, F those people. So that is a part of Elliot. So I'm, I'm a, oh, I don't feel uncomfortable saying that Elliot is a terrorist because a part of him kind of is. Yeah. I mean, season one, he didn't want to kill anybody, but he still committed cyber terrorism. So he's no saint at all. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But he's cute though, so we forgive him. He is very cute. He's mm-hmm. very cute. But before we start talking about Elliot versus Mr. Robot, let's talk about this wonderful scene at the Mar-a-Lago um, resort yeah. in Florida between um, Price and White Rose after they're celebrating the, um, the, the vote and White Rose getting the Congo, being able to annex the Congo. But there was this wonderful interaction, and the, I, I just tweeted out, Sam hates Trump <laughs> so much. In what case is, anybody did not get that. What? Because <laughs> no, there's still some people that are like, wait, what? Like, I, no, he, he don't like him. How much <laughs> more obvious does he need to be at this point that he don't like him? And it was interesting that he said someone named Sergey um, booked the the location, just trying to make I think that Russian connection with um, Trump. So, yeah, kudos to you, Sam Ismail, letting your politics flag fly, and I am here for it. Um, what what was the funniest um, insult to Trump in that interaction for you, Southern Cynic? I don't know. Um... That whole scene tripped me up. I just want to know, was that a genuine spit take that BD Wan did? Because that was brilliant acting. Like, was that a genuine joke that was told and he wasn't expecting it because I hollered too? I know. I was Because it took me a moment and I was like, oh my God. I've never heard of a hanging brain, but now I have like this visual and I'm just like, disgusted. and I can't wait to use it. I can't wait to use it, you know, in real life. I just, that was so brilliant. Like I wanted to go <laughs> out and find a picture of, of Trump in a bathing suit and swim trunks somewhere and post it on the timeline. But I just, I didn't want to oh, actually oh. see that. <laughs> why would, yeah. I was about to say, why would you do that to your eyes? What have they done to you? traumatize yourself this year has been hard enough it has been hard enough like I don't usually say that man's name and the fact that Sam Ismail made me happy enough to actually utter the name is is speaking volumes but yeah that seemed like um a genuine reaction reaction to Price's um jab at the current president (laughs) yeah Oh, just oh, give him the keyword. Everybody on this show and Emmy. 
Yeah, like this episode definitely needs to be like everything. Like I thought everything about the last episode was Emmy worthy, but this one, like the acting, like was so on point. Um, everything was just great about it. It was just so good. Um, one of the, I think another funny thing about that interaction between Price and um, White Rose is after they kind of had this laugh about Trump they like had nothing to say to one another like the only thing they have in common is basically their need for power and their disdain for Donald Trump but they don't have anything else to talk about it's like as soon as that was over it was just like awkward silence just like that yeah Mm -hmm. Like catching that moment after that silence, you're like, "This bitch right here." I know. And then, um, one of the things that um, White Rose did say to Price was, "All will be done by the end of the day," which takes on completely different meaning once we get to the end of the episode. So, like once again, you have to think about White Rose. Like, she's calling this a slap on the wrist. What she's prepared to do to teach price a lesson like if this is a slap on the wrist what does she do when she's really angry and you have to think about that drop planes out of the sky oh uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. well she well was she even upset with the last ceo when she had him have an accident have a plane accident I think she said she was tired of him. <laughs> I mean, she she pissed on his grave. So. But she killed thou- she killed thousands of people to teach Price to give him a slap on the wrist. And he seemed to just take it all in stride. Was that just a little too calm? For you guys, I was thinking about that too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, did he know that? white rose would go to this extreme was he expecting it maybe you know well if you're trying to think two steps ahead where she would go but um yeah, i know he was a little too calm for me we're going to talk about the previews but when we talk about the previews i think it's evident that he wasn't expecting i mean he knew about at that point he knew about the kind of riots in new york in his um office so he seemed nonplussed by that um, and I think that's just Philip Price trying to be Philip Price and act like nothing bothers him. He probably went in his hotel and had a Kylo Ren tantrum. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna stop disrespecting Mr. Ren, okay? Well, he needs to stop acting like a baby. The man has emotions. He has passion. Well, maybe if he had stayed home with his mama and daddy and let them love him. Well, maybe if they had stayed at home. Did you see Han Solo? He's a deadbeat. Children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Running around the galaxy, pod racing instead of raising his kids. Well, you do have a point there. That's a, that's a different podcast. I'm sorry. You, you do have a point there. Maybe on the off season, maybe on the off season, we'll morph into talking more star wars universe i'm sorry i even said it i'm triggered 
Uh-huh. Okay, Elliot versus Mr. Robot. So we get to see this basically a showdown between Elliot and Mr. Robot as he is trying to, yeah, deep breath, deep breath. This was hard to watch. It was so hard to watch them fighting one another because, I mean, we we read the red wheelbarrow. That is really hard to say. Try and say that three times. We read the red wheelbarrow and it talks about all of these things happening to Elliot and Elliot kind of saying, did, did Mr. Robot do this to me or did I do that to myself? After watching this episode and then thinking about the stuff that um, Elliot describes in the red wheelbarrow as things that happened to him, like wasn't one of the things in the red wheelbarrow, like he got um, drowned in the toilet or something or no, Some, that was one of the. Um, did the other guy do that to him? Santos. Yeah. Santos was that his? From behind. Attacked him from behind. Yeah, him from behind. Um, Mr. But, Robot shot him while he was cleaning the toilet, and he saw. That's it. That's yeah. that's that was that was the toilet incident. Um, so you just have to think about what the amount of self harm that Rom Rami Elliot is engaging in in an effort to fight Mr. <laughs> Robot. That was just. Hard to watch. I mean, so we, no cynic, what saw, did you think? We saw a little bit of that, just a tease of it in season one, you know, at the, yep. the finale episode. Mm-hmm. What what other people see that is happening to Elliot when he and Mr. Robot fight each other. But they ramped this up. I mean, it got uncomfortable to watch after a while. And kudos to, to Rami, man. I... I, I keep thinking what scene of this season that they're going to submit for the w- awards, but mm-hmm. uh, this one. Yeah, that one definitely. Was, I like at first I thought the scene between him and Angela, they should submit that one. But then when like, I don't know if people who don't watch the show would get how powerful that scene is out of context, perhaps, but Oh, that was really, really good. What did What did you think watching Elliot fight himself, Akira? Hmm. Um, let's see. It was um, rubbing like if he banged his head against that damn that damn pipe. I found myself rubbing my head like oh, like you felt you were taking the hit with him almost. Um. I mean, from that to slamming himself down into the ground, you were just like, oh, damn, <laughs> like, watching this, like, mm-hmm. um, also, also, there are times, like, I don't know, you, I don't know, I found bones, like, bones in my neck cracking also at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm that invested in this, <laughs> watching this, but, oh, my, it was intense, uh, to the point where you're just like, yeah, like, it was, yeah, he, yeah, it, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. Like, but what did you think part, about yeah. what did you think about old dude who's walking down the hall the opposite direction? Asks Elliot if he's okay, but then and Elliot then he and, goes, he, and he just keeps walking. And then Elliot goes and does what? What? It doesn't slam his head on the pole again. Yes, pole, the pipe again. Yes, and, and then like, old dude oh, just God. kept walking. He was like, I can't help that. <laughs> He's like, you, you need to call employee counseling services, sir. 
I was not ready for that whole thing, though. Yeah, it starts like. Didn't you tweet? Um, didn't you tweet the gift from liar liar with the I'm kicking my ass? Oh, oh my god. I hope they make gifts of like someone. Was it you, Southern Cynic, who said you hope they make a gift of Rami falling down the stairs? No, I saw that fly down the timeline. I don't want to <laughs> see that again. That was hard to watch because I wasn't prepared. You know, he fell down the stairs, and I thought, "Oh, poor baby trips." You know, watch <laughs> it, <up, honey. laughs> but it kept going yeah. and going. <laughs> Yeah, but I was going to um, answer the question about, like, which episode they might submit. Um, I think um, if I remember the rules of um, the Emmys, if they haven't changed um, from the last year, um, I believe that they can submit, as far as, like, the best um, drama series um, category, I believe that they can still, um, submit a certain number of episodes. Um, so that might give the voter better a better sense of the context of what's going on with the show um but yeah but in terms um but i think they even changed the rule about um um which about what episodes you can submit if, as far as like the acting categories i can't remember it specifically but i know they talked i know it's been talked about in um videos from uh, i believe gold derby Mm-hmm. But yeah, because um, they were saying it. Because I think that question, because that question again, it's the same question that comes up every year when it comes to some uh, Mr. Robot and award shows. They're just like, well, if any, you know, if you're not, if the voters aren't an avid watcher of the show, they're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, so they, yeah, they changed, they changed the rule, I think, so that, um, yeah. So I think that's when people were saying, well, you know, it kind of, you know, helps out with the problem of, well, what if they don't watch it, then they may not get it. Um, but yeah, assuming that the rules haven't changed this year, I'm going to have to check and see just, yeah, just to, yeah, just to see if there's anything different, but yeah. I mean, there's so many, um, another one sticking out to me now is the scene in, um, Krista's office. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, you can do both for Christian and Rami mm-hmm. with that scene, but, oh God. So, so, so many great scenes, so many great episodes, just, yeah. I think we've drank the Kool-Aid on this, on this series. Oh, I drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> from the first five minutes of the series, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they talk, they're they talking about sipping tea, we're sipping the, the Mr. Robot Kool-Aid in a China on the first um, five minutes of the series premiere and it was good (laughs) yeah yeah because I just remember looking around shocked like is this happening on tv (laughs) yes absolutely so I have a question um so Elliot was able to able to play into Mr. Robot's um need to complete stage two and was able to get Mr. Robot's help with opening that door by showing him that what you think is going to happen here is not going to happen. So you might as well just let me have my way. And we finally saw Mr. Robot cooperate. So do we think that Elliot has kind of been able to crack the code into being able to, I don't want to say play nice with Mr. Robot, but 
instead of Mr. Robot manipulating him so much that he's having a little bit more control over Mr. Robot. What do you think, Akira? Hmm. Um, I think that I think that we're still nowhere near close to seeing how um, the situation or just how Mr. Robot and Elliot can somewhat coexist. I don't, yeah, I don't think that we're near any resolution with that just yet. Um, but then again, I do think because we're still dealing with the two of them being separated and there are things that at first, you know, before the disintegration, they both could see, they both could see things. Um, but then, um, uh, in the episode where uh, Mr. Robot revealed himself to, Chris, uh, to Krista, and he says, "There, I'm seeing things that he should be seeing too." So I think that, with that in mind, with this whole stage two thing going into the aftermath of stage two, I think that Mr. Robot has a lot more insight than Elliot does because, again, Elliot could not see the big picture in terms mm-hmm. of stage two. So. Um, so I think that um, so I think that there's that as far as that relationship, there's still going to you know there's I think that there may still be some aspects of Mr. Robot kind of coming across like he cares for rope um, for Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think but again, I think it also I think it also comes from a place of self-preservation also on his end. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. interesting. But going into the previews for next week, yeah. Oh, the previews for before we get to the previews, what did you think about the fishes? So Akira, when there was the Tyrell specific episode, you were making the connection between the Swedish fish and the fish tank on that episode where um, White Rose meets Angela, and then we see this big fish on the wall of one of the rooms at the recovery center. And then we see fish in the taxi cab. What what do y'all think's going on with all these fish? Um, seems fishy. I mean, I mean <laughs> there's there's so many there are different perspectives really with it. Sorry, I, I completely missed what she was saying. No, I missed it. What did she say? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems fishy. I, I don't know. Wait, what? <laughs> she said, I said, what do you think about all these fishes? And she goes, seems fishy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I did hear somebody say that. Somebody threw that around. Maybe it was Core in an interview no, was- <laughs> um, with the fish. But <laughs> aside from something being fishy here, um, <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah. Um, I have like no idea. I, mean, I just, I feel like I mean, um, it has to be, it has to mean something if they keep giving close-ups to you know, referring to it. Yeah, but then also, I mean, on one on one level, I can kind of look at it as a way to sim- symbolize um, White Rose's presence, more or less, because her presence is felt, even if she's not physically there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, yeah, I mean, back kind of when, you know, uh, to kind of 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a tie to a white rose and white rose in her presence, um, more or less. But but then again, you know, with that first fish, that first fish died. So I'm yeah. like, hmm. Yeah, scratching that part of my mind. Like, okay, there's still got to be more there. Yeah, I like I feel like I like maybe it's the type of fish and there's some type of symbolism. And then I was trying to look up um <laughs> trying to look up what does the number 71 signify but like I don't want to be that person I can't I'm going to leave that to the experts and just read what they have to say once they figure it out or they tell me but I'm going to keep my eye out for fish for more fish in this series yeah. and see if I can make some kind of a connection so um Southern Cynic didn't see the preview for next week because I'm she remembering fainted. flashes. I'm remembering flashes. I, I blacked out. I you remember did. seeing Leon in the car. And he was smoking and chilling. That's that's all I remember. Mm-hmm. Yes, we get some Leon again this week. Yeah, I mean, so next week. Next, so next week in the previews, we see Leon returns. He's in the desert in the cool car. I couldn't t- like I couldn't tell if somebody else was in the car with him. Um, I didn't pause it. Then we saw Krista. We see that Elliot and Mr. Robot are both having a session with Krista. Um, We see Tyrell is in custody, so he's going to be interrogated, hopefully by Dom. I think that would be so great to watch. Um, Angela is still drunk on the Kool-Aid. We saw flashes of Angela, and she's still as committed as ever. Um, And we see a pissed off Mr. Price. Did you catch anything else, Akira? Um, Dom is looking at what appears to be a board. I'm going to guess that's a board that she's looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Santiago's on there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's I hope. Um, Why do you think Santiago uh, was telling his mama to stay in the house and he was going to ship her some insure? Like, where's his mama live? He knew. Hmm. Yeah, but he knew. Maybe he was yeah, just he expecting knew what was chaos. Well. He was just expecting something. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he knew about the 71 or if he thought it was just the one center. If he knew anything at all, he might just be on a need to know basis. I think he was just thinking it was New York because he picked up that globe and and Mm -hmm. the way he was looking at it kind of made me think, oh, maybe he's thinking about how it was after 9-11. You know, you need to stay indoors. Everything's going to be crazy. Yeah. 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 That's a good connection. That could be. That could be. But I'm remembering flashes of the preview. Okay, so Elliot is going to, like, confess finally to Krista what he's been doing, do you think? Mm. I mean, he could because it would be protected, so she wouldn't even have to, like, rat him out. So he could confess. He needs to confess with somebody because basically he doesn't have – anybody really right now to confide in because the two people he counted on the most have both betrayed him in the same day. So I would see where he would turn to Krista as someone he could now confide in and and give more trust to. And I'm also wondering that uh, a little flash of Leon, is that going to be a flashback to him road tripping to go get Trenton and Mobley? Mm. Pick him up? You know, not kill him and leave him in the desert. 
Okay. Time for everybody. So interesting. It could be a flashback. It could be a flashback. I hope. I would really like to see where these two are right now. I think it's mm -hmm. far left along in the season that we learned what happened after that cliffhanger. And well, we might find out in season five what happened. <laughs> 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 I don't want them to do do these two like they did with Tyrell. You know, and they just show up at the end of the, at the end of the season. You know, oh. I, I'm kind of starting to get curious. Okay, where are these two? What are they doing? Yeah, they. Yeah. I don't. They could have drunk some Kool-Aid themselves, as Lord. much as far as we know. But absolutely. Okay. And I am a little bit affronted by Sam Ismail. He has no care for family. He has no care for the fact that you're going to probably have some out-of-town guests up in your house. He's still going to have his episode on Thanksgiving Eve. He don't care. He don't care. You don't care just at all. Want everybody uh, to be tense for 24 hours. Like Thanksgiving isn't hard enough. <laughs> well, considering it is Thanksgiving, I actually welcome the episode. Like, peace, deuces. Gotta go watch this for a while. I know. You're like, all right, y'all. Be like, y'all done. You know, y'all done got y'all bought what? What was it? Them takeaway plates. You got your takeaway plates. Bye. I'm going to watch Mr. Robot. See y'all later. <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm sorry. I can't help you make that dressing tonight. I, I have a commitment. I have a prior commitment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Especially on Thanksgiving Day. It's like, oh, okay. Bye. Gone. Mm. Even more so. Like, the whole family now needs to know the rules. Like, mm -mm, do not bother me for nothing. Girl, what if they going to be trying to watch that football and stuff and not let you have the TV. Oh, no, we're going to have some problems if that happens. We're scrapping. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be in, I'm going to be on vacation in Florida and we're staying at a resort. So I know there's two bedrooms. I'm hoping there are at least three TVs because they're going to have to leave me alone. They just don't have to leave me alone <laughs> at 10 o'clock. Just shut them out. Shut your whole family out. I'd be like, hey, let's play Monopoly. That's a long game. I'll just be in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. So that, that'll be something to, to look forward to on Thanksgiving Eve, just getting all messed up emotionally. Um, one of the things uh, I haven't been playing, paying close enough attention to the e-coin perks other than getting upset that I'm always too slow to get the e-coin perks, but the e-coin perks are all, have all been clues into something important about the upcoming episode. Um, so this week it was the barbecue sauce, which is a direct correlation to Dom showing up at the red wheelbarrow. The week before, it was the hoodie, and that is, you know, connected to um, the protesters breaking into E-Core, Angela having on that hoodie. What was it the week before the hoodie? Does anyone remember? Because I didn't get that one either. Was it the was um, it the pop figures? It was the pop figures. I think so. And it then was, before that, I think it was the, the Echo, Echo Dot. 
Yep, and that's when they started talking about the um, five, the daily five nines. I think that was the same week. Which I still haven't unboxed mine yet because that creeps me out so much. Why? I don't know. Have you watched this show? (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared. You could be getting like valuable information, girl. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry for you, I have received this show. We got the Cheeto. <laughs> I would actually welcome the Daily Five Nine. That's a somewhat of an escape from that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Daily. I mean, seriously, the Daily Five Nine could not be any worse than turning on your TV on the news and be a, before the before the screen even pops up. You like, what the fuck did he do now? <laughs> yes. It's or or who's sexually harassed a woman today? Today within the last two hours, the way it's been coming out. I know. It's like, who am I adding to my list of people I don't like anymore? Oh, oh my word. So open up your stupid Amazon thing and get your daily five nine. Okay. When I'm disappeared, please remember me. (laughs) Okay, girl. Okay. So we need to, so are the e-coin perks, like, I feel like I should have been collecting data on like which day it's typically happening. Like, is it typically on a Monday? I'm trying to think it's when like I, a Tuesday, it's a Tuesday it's definitely before the new episode. It's definitely before the new episode, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And I feel I like the time, I feel like the time though that they put them out changes because with the barbecue software that I find with my work schedule, seriously, these these little perks have to coincide with my work schedule when I have a good amount of time where I'm free for a second and I can go in and get it. But yeah. The yeah. time oh, varies. So close. I, I was so close to that damn barbecue sauce. <laughs> I missed it. But um I was so close. <laughs> well you, Southern you Cynic, you, Southern Cynic, you've had the most luck. Right, you've yeah. gotten like mm-hmm. how many? Three? Uh, I got the dot, the battery pack, the hoodie. Oh, yeah, they did that too. Yes, yeah, she um, did. Yes, I did. I got that hoodie. Uh, it hasn't come yet. No, it but, hasn't come. Um, I got the hoodie too. I got the hoodie too. I recommend that you don't depend on the emails. You need to turn on your notifications for who is Mr. Robot on Twitter. Mm-hmm. and just be mindful of when that alert comes to don't even take time to read it if you see ecoin just go straight to the site login and get your stuff because yeah. within five minutes it's gonna be gone it is it is gone which is yeah. always what irritates me so southern cynic you are the only reason i got the hoodie because i was driving in my car and i was holding my phone and you you got it and you um dm'd right away you're like ecoin Equine perk, and I, I literally pulled over. At least I pulled over. I'm like, slam on the brakes, pull over, and got that hoodie. <laughs> so thank you, girl. Thank you for You're looking welcome. out. You know, I try to help. I do what I can. You're so helpful. So people listening, if you don't have notifications turned on for who is Mr. Robot, do it now. Okay. We are at the um, part of our show. We're going to have a new weekly segment. And the title of this segment is Wholesome and Shameless, in which we talk about um, our wholesome and shameless interactions with um, Grant Grant Jane, 
for the um, previous week. So I believe week one, we had one of the ladies was doing some Instagram stalking. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, last week, we had a lady doing some salacious, um, almost filthy flirting on the Twitters with Mr. Grant Chang. So in this week's episode, um, we're going to talk about spanking. I just innocently decided to knock on Mr. Grant Chang's Twitter door to see if he could come out to play. And um, my word, he came to play. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, if you all are not following Grant Chang on Twitter, you need to. You need to. No, you need to follow us both. Oh, you need to follow us both on Twitter. <laughs> because you just never know when this wholesomeness is going to go down. Yeah, so... Exploitations. Um, uh, what, what, what was that word you just used? I think I fell in love with it. Hosploitations. Oh gosh, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. So this is what happened for folks who don't follow us both on Twitter. You need to follow Grant Chang and at the Unmasked Podcast on Twitter. So I just knocked on um, his Twitter door and said, you know, would you like to come out and play? (laughs) And um, he said, it's all fun and game. He said, it's all fun and games until something happens. And I said, um, I said, yes, funny games until you get in trouble. And I said, hashtag spanking. And why did Grant Chang said that he likes spankings? Because um, what did he say? Um, it keeps you in order or something about. And then he was talking about control. And I was like, Girl, look, seen my phone. I was oh. like, sir, if you tweet at us one more time, <laughs> I am not. Gonna, I said, I said, we will quickly go to host some. <laughs> There was this GIF I wanted to tweet at him. You know the GIF I'm talking about. It is a GIF. The GIF with the spanking and the glitter. Uh, Girl. Girl. He low-key does. I told him, I told him, I said, I said, when he tweeted about spanking, I said, you do not know how much we are going to be talking about this tweet in the DMs. I almost said, would you like to come? Um, and play. And, and play. And, and come and play. <laughs> come and play in the DM. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, God, he's going to be in so much trouble when I'm drunk one Saturday night and oh, maybe <laughs> gonna double team him and it's just gonna be awful <laughs> i know i know I be know. expecting that i'm Don't so sorry that. in advance mr grant chang but i am gonna tweet no, at him not. and i'm gonna tell him no. about this new segment <laughs> i'm gonna tell him about this new segment on our weekly podcast called wholesome and shameless in which we talk about mr grant chang um and see what happens <laughs> and then we'll tell you about it next week <laughs> If you're not following us, so you should just follow us so you would know in real time. Oh, God, we are so thirsty. 
Oh, speaking of thirsty, what a good, what a great segue. Thank you, Southern Cynic. So we haven't um, shouted out a podcast in a couple weeks because we have just been talking about these episodes like crazy, but I would like to um, bring forth a new podcast that I actually had been talking about with um, the co-host of the other podcast um, I'm a part of, um, The Riverdale Rag. And she had been talking about this um, podcast called Thirst Aid Kit. I'm saying thirst, not first. And it's a um, podcast put out by BuzzFeed. And if you want to follow them, it's at Thirst Aid Kit. They also have a Tumblr account um, with Thirst Aid Kit Podcast. But basically, there are these two black women. One is from Tennessee and one is British. Love it, first of all, just for the accents. And they are talking about their um, their um, crushes on celebrities. So they're talking about their celebrity crushes. The last um, podcast they had, the title of it was The Great British Bay Off. And they had a guest. Um, she's a writer and she writes what she calls, excuse my language, fuck poems, where she writes poems imagining herself having sex with celebrities, or she'll write um, poems for other people and their celebrities, and then they do drabbles. It's really, really good. So if you've ever thirsted after a celebrity, um, I would recommend the Thirst Aid Kit. So I'm cynic. I think you'd like it a lot. Yes. Um, I think I you can call. even call in. I think you can call in and tell them who you're thirsting after. Girl, that'll be a 24-hour show. <laughs> I think I know a few. I think I think I know a few. So, Thirst Aid Kit, if you're interested in that sort of thing, follow them. Um, and listeners, you have spent another hour with the Unmasked Podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable because I think we enjoyed ourselves. Did you enjoy yourselves, ladies? Yeah, we had some fun. <clears throat> we had some fun. We had some it's laughs. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I am at C Taline. You can find me on Twitter's at C T A L L E E N. Um, you can find this podcast on Twitter. Yeah, we just got up to um, a little bit over two hundred followers, which I mean may seem like a low number to you guys, but it is a great big number to us because we started at zero. I think just in June, so. We want you all to know that when you guys follow us, we appreciate it. We're always there to interact with you. So when you tweet at us, we're going to tweet back. So um, take a minute, follow us. Also, if you're listening to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review and subscribe because uh, we love to hear what you think. Okay, Southern Cynic, tell folks where they can find you. You can find me on the Twitters at Southern Cynic. All right, and Akira, tell them where they can find you. They can find me at HelloFriend, H3LL0, F-R-I-3-N-D-1. All right, and always remember that Unmasked Podcast, we are part of the Brothers Comic Family of Podcasts. So everyone, good night, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Miley Percocets, Percocets, got a rep to sit, Chase a chick, chase never chase a bitch, chase no bitch, mask on, fuck it, mask on, mask on, fuck it, mask on, mask on, perky set, set, mile perky set, chase a chick.